welcome back to the Pool Pro Podcast, episode number 12. If you want to learn how to keep your customers happy and loyal and how to deal with those difficult ones, you're going to want to listen to today's episode. Welcome back to the Pool Pro Podcast. This is Michelle Cavanaugh with my co-host. Dave Rockwell. We're very excited to have you back for another episode. Today's going to be interesting. It's a little bit different um, as far as what we've done in the past in regards to the people that we bring on the show. But this person I know very well from a group that I belong to. It's a networking entrepreneurial group in California. And I met Scott Kent in that group, oh gosh, a couple of years ago now. And it's interesting because every time I sit with Scott Kent at a table in that particular group or at an event, he's always had the, mo- the best ideas and, and things that you never thought of in regards to your business. And so we're all sitting and listening to Scott as if you know, he's, he's standing on top of the table and we're all taking copious notes of, of him. So I wanted to bring him on for one particular subject specifically, because this was one of the subjects that they were presented on the Facebook group, the Pool Pro Podcast Facebook group, um, a question that, or a concern that they had and wanted to deal with and hear more about. And that's really dealing with angry customers and Scott um, can talk on this subject, and we're very happy to have him here to maybe just talk about his experience. But before we do that, I'd like Scott to just give a little bit about his background and who, you know, who he is and what he does so you know you understand who you're speaking with. Scott, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, I, um, I've been in business my whole life. Um, I had my first business at 10 and uh, started from there. Um, I consider myself unemployable at this point because I'm uh, I'm a career business person, um, and, and through different industries I've been in, of course, you know there's there's times where you interact with people and and sometimes uh, it goes a little sideways. So I got right. very good at a very young age um, dealing with that, and and uh, you know it's something that can affect every business, but it's also something that can, um, if handled right, can make you more money and get you even more solid customers. Right. If you really know how to handle situations as they arrive and oftentimes diffusing them before they arrive which is really the key to it yes um, absolutely but I, I i have a uh, a printing business i'm a marketing coach and uh, and right now and i've been uh, gosh i've been in the bicycle business for 38 years i uh, i had a landscape business uh, all kinds of things i've done so it's not just been one industry i've been kind of all over the place wherever i see a little window of opportunity if, if the time's right i'll jump in Right. And then you build it up and probably sell it off or move on to something. It's usually the plan. Mm -hmm. It's usually the plan. What do you think when you you just mentioned that um, the key is not letting people get to the point of being angry. And I completely agree with you on Scott. Talk a little bit about that, because if you're able to to keep diffuse people before they get angry, then you're going to have a much better time trying to keep them happy. Yeah. Well, you know, let me let me use a story from the bicycle industry. So I was in a very heavy service type uh, bike shop and we did a lot of people would come in for for tune-ups on their bikes and if we were to just to, to people would come in and say I need a tune-up on my bike if we was okay circle tune-up on the repair tag and take it in and get it done oftentimes they would come back angry because the problem they had they didn't articulate to us and we didn't ask what the problem was and then the problem was still there once the bike was left and paid for so needless to say, people would come in angry. Ah, I brought it in for this, and you know it's still doing the same thing. And and oftentimes some of the guys would say, "Well, you didn't tell us it was doing that." Well, it's not their responsibility. It's our responsibility to find out what's going on. So we changed that verbiage and asked a couple questions when they came in. If they said they wanted the tune-up, you know, is is it jumping or doing? You know, 
what's it doing or not doing. Once we had that information, then we could go further and say, well, this is never part of a tune-up. It's this, you know, and so we could circumvent the anger ahead of time by just good communication up front. And, and I, I sincerely believe in that because as a professional, people bring it to us to solve a problem. Yeah. And we need to be the professionals that know enough about their problem to say, well, yeah, if we, if we do this, that problem will go away, not just take their money and they still have a problem, if that makes any right. sense. So, yeah. uh, and that's part of how you can make a lot more money as a service provider is really being a master at your craft and knowing that, you know, when something happens, most likely it's this, even if somebody, you know, wants that. Because oftentimes we're dealing with, with uh, people who are, are very unaware of all the technical things that could go on and, and pools the same thing. I mean, I, I, it's interesting that you do pool pros because <laughs> I actually have a friend when I had my, my pool in my last house, I had a friend that built pools and I begged him for a pool tech begged him because all I could find is people that didn't know what they're doing and they didn't understand. I had a salt system in mind. I had an ozone generator and they didn't understand that. And, it's, and it was, I had electronic valves and I'd go out and find my pool 10 inches you know, shallow because the valves weren't set up right. And it was just driving me crazy. And I just wanted somebody that knew my system and I couldn't find it. Right. And, and finally, I, I got a referral from this guy. He said, I, I never recommend pool guys just you know, because, and uh, he finally did because we were friends for a long time. And I got a guy that was a whiz that knew all this stuff. And I started thinking, well, why didn't my last five people tell me the same thing? I mean, you're supposed right. to be pool guys, you know? So that that's the frustration on, on my part there was was huge. And, and um, you know, in, in your business, the guy that, I, I, I bet I sent 10 people that I know to the person that I last got that knew his stuff because all my friends had pools too and they were equally frustrated with the, you know, the typical run around the pool, scrape the side, throw in some chemicals and leave. You know, you're there for five minutes and, and then I go to have a pool party or they go to have a pool party and then the water's cloudy or something's wrong. And I was like, God, the guy was just here. You know, and so when you get somebody that really knows their stuff, I mean, you want to tell your friends about them. You want to give them more business. Yes. Yeah, you hit on, you hit on some a number of really critical points already. Yep. And um, I'd like to maybe just dwell on on a couple of them a little bit more. Sure. Um, one that you talked about was communication with the customer. Yep. Um, where we get sideways a lot of times, regardless of our skill level, is the customer is generally not home when we're there. They're off at work up until recently. And um, so, were they there? How long were they there? Right. Were, are they spending enough time to justify what I'm paying them? And so communication with the customer is huge. Being able to, to um, leave a note or there are apps available now where you can tell them what their water chemistry was, tell them what their uh, problems with the pool, what, what you noticed when you were there, a little summary of the visit. If you leave them that every time, there that uh, problem can kind of can kind of go away. Um, so, finding every uh, opportunity you can to communicate with your customers is a big deal. Yeah, you know it's funny you say that. I, I had recommended to um, a couple of my pool guys because I'm a printer, um, and, and the same thing. And, and I said, you know, what if you printed a door hanger? with whatever information you need to fill out and leave it on the door every time you're there. You could even have time in, time out, like you say, the pool chemistry, whatever, 
recommendations coming up. If you need a filter backwash or, you know, whatever it is, then they know you're there and trying, you know, or if you had anything, I mean, you could put notes about anything, they would come find it on their door. Oh God, the pool guy was here. Great. They, they right. cost virtually nothing. And the interaction would be much better. Even if there was a problem with the pool, at least they know you were out there, they were doing something. And then the phone call might be, hey, you know, I know you were just here and it looks like the chemistry is good, but my water's cloudy, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to, God, were you even here? I come in, I come home to a cloudy pool and I'm already upset because I don't know if you were there. Right. So the knowledge is what really ticks people off. And you know, one of the key things that I've found in, in just dealing with customers all the time is just communication makes everything work yes everything work um and and just people knowing that and even if they don't get the answer that they want just knowing that you're communicating with them and not just shutting the door off and they feel frustrated and that's where all the anger comes from yep. is isn't really the, the situation with the pool it's the fact that you know i have somebody that's supposed to be doing it and and they won't communicate with me or yep. i can't get a hold right. of them or, or you know and that's really where the frustration comes in and where the anger starts to build and and typically when you start solving the problem, the problem that you really, the problem that they have initially isn't what brings up the venom. It, it's the fact that they feel like they're unappreciated, you know, by you, the person they're paying. And if you, if you switch that dynamic, um, yeah, it, it, it's, I mean, all things get better. Yes. Yeah. The, it's up to the, it's up to the service pro to take charge of the situation. Um, if the water's cloudy, uh, that's the first red flag that the customer is going to have. But you, you, chances are you know why it's cloudy. It was either cloudy when you got there, you brushed the algae loose, and it's water you treated for phosphates. That'll cloud the water. So if you're leaving the pool in anything less than absolutely pristine condition, you've got to tell the customer why. And I think the interesting thing, too, is unfortunately, you know, we're used to having bad customer service. You know, no matter who you call or whoever, you, you know, it's, it's kind of the standard to have crappy customer service. So you're used to that. And that's what you're expecting when you call somebody is to get crappy customer service. And if you actually are the, the opposite of what they're expecting and you're like, I'm going to solve your problem for you. Absolutely. I'll take care of you, Mr. Jones or whatever, whoever you're speaking to. That to me, I, in, my, in my history of dealing with customers, that's how I've always handled things. And I could diffuse an angry person in, you know, five, 10 minutes just by listening and caring believe it or not, a lot of times they just want to be heard. And if you just hear them and you say, yep, I'm here to help you. I I've got your back. I'll take care of you. That's all they want because they're used to dealing with Verizon or the cable company and getting really crappy customer service. Oh, they are. <laughs> and, and imagine the, the benefit you would get if people are used to getting poor service and you give them exceptional service, yes. they're going to talk. They're going to tell everybody, oh my God, I expected to get nothing. This person was amazing. And you know, people go out and spend money to, to buy, you know, reviews like that. And all you got to do is create them. It's very simple. It costs you nothing. So that and that's brings how you us back around. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Dave. Sorry. That brings us back around to uh, another topic that you touched on earlier, and that's being educated and knowing how all the yes. things on a pool work. If you stroll up to a customer's pool and he has to show you how the control system works or how it's programmed. Um, that's not very confidence inspiring, but if you walk up there, grab the control confidently and know how to go through the screens, find out uh, how everything works. Um, 
maybe solve the the original problem that that the customer had could be in in the control system and just the way something's programmed. Um, but he he's going to stand back and watch watch you. You have a con a slight conversation about water chemistry. Anybody can go online now and learn the basics of, of pool water chemistry. The intricacies of it are are a whole different deal. It's, it's yep. a whole other level of, of uh, knowledge. And so if you can have an intelligent conversation with the customer, then all of a sudden you're going to build that trust. So when you tell him something, when you do communicate with him and there is a problem, he's going to trust you. Yes. Now that's huge. And I think, go ahead, Scott. Oh, I, I was going to say that's huge. It, it uh, you know, in, in, in every business, really it's critical mm -hmm. to step back and, and look at why are people hiring you, right? And, and in, the, in the pool situation, it's not because they can't do it, a lot of people. I mean, they can do it. They don't want to do it. They don't necessarily have the time to do it and things like that. You're providing a service of, of uh, convenience for them. And the more convenient you make it, ultimately, the more you can charge for it. But yeah. if you just make it a, a no-brainer for them, um, you know, we're all looking for lifetime customers. And you can definitely have them if you do, the, you know, at least as long as people are in that house. And when they sell the house, probably you'll go forward with the new buyers, you know, if you're the great pool guy and they recommend you highly. So you could, once you get a, a pool in your route, I mean, you could keep it forever, literally, if you just do great service and understand the system and, and just realize that you're not there to keep the water sparkling clean. I mean, ultimately, that's what you're doing, but you're there to make it a situation where anytime that person walks in their backyard, their pool is ready to go. And, and so look at it from the, the big perspective of the problem you're solving for them isn't sparkling water. The problem you're solving for them is when they have a party, they want their pool to be perfect. Whatever that party is, and if you can deliver that to them, there's no reason for them ever to want to get rid of you. Right. So, one of the one of the questions that I'm hearing more and more frequently from guys, um, there's a lot of really competent one pole, one truck pool guys um, who are doing exactly what we talked about: building customer confidence. Their customers tell their friends. Their route grows. And all of a sudden they've got more work than they can handle and it's time to start growing. Um, that awkward transition, maybe you've got some ideas on how to get through that kind of awkward transition from you, you're the pro, you're the, you're the trained professional. Now you've got to send somebody in the backyard and it's almost like starting all over sometimes. Yeah, it, it is. It, um, you know, I, I was talking with, my, my tech a while ago about that. And he said, you know, the, the problem is that, you know, you grow to a certain amount of pools and then you're, you're basically, you're working all the time. And at some point it's, I'm working more than I want to work. Um, it's not really a business that you can double or triple your price because there's always competition out there. So where do you go from there? And it, and it made sense. What he said to me is, you know, I, I can hire somebody and train them but then they're going to go out and try and steal some of those jobs or, or you know, they're going to go out and start their own business after I've trained them. So it's, it's a very tough industry, at least from the outside looking in, as to how do, you, how do you grow and scale without giving your customers to somebody else, giving the training for them to do a good job so they would basically be doing the same quality of work as you. Well, you've just potentially given them some aspect of a pool route. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think the – I think the – if I was stepping back and looking at how you could grow without negatively affecting yourself, 
if I was in that business, I would probably try and market um, a course on how to how to take care of pools and try and get people in outlying areas out away from me. So we don't really have any any coverage, you know, mm -hmm. maybe around the fringes, but you could have them mirror you for a while as part of the training, teach them what they need to know, and then let them go forth in their area to build their own thing and take either a small commission or something for the training, an ongoing thing. Um, if, I mean, if you look at the big picture, if you, if somebody were to put together a good lead generator for people yep. to find good pool techs, cause I couldn't find one when I was looking, it's just word of mouth. You see somebody's truck going by, you know, and you, you, you talk to them in a parking lot and, and see if they know what they're doing. But if you came up with a, a good lead generation type thing where your customers would come in from various areas and you could assign them to these people, somebody could start a good business without having it be franchise or anything like that. Just training, training pool techs, having an area set for them, and then driving traffic to that area, giving them leads for pools um, that you could do. You could and probably get an affiliate fee for that, don't you? No, that's that? what I mean, yeah. You set up yeah. a slight affiliate for it. Yeah. So if you had 10 or 15 people working underneath you and you got $5 a pool a month, but if they had 50 pools each, do the math, I mean, it's a second route. Yep. You don't have to do anything other than train them. And you could be a resource for them if you really know your stuff. I mean, there's times where people, they might have a system they haven't seen before or something's going on and they just don't know for sure. They're always available by phone call to talk them through it. And if need be, you could meet them at the job and, and help them through that. I mean, yes. you know, if I was starting out, I would, want yep. that, I would want that genius in my back corner that I could call if I get in over my head. Because that's a lot easier to do than go up to the, the homeowner and say, well, I don't know what's wrong with your pool. But if yeah. I had that, that super pro that, that I could call um, and solve that problem, one, I'd learn something, and two, I don't have to look like an idiot in front of my customer. So, I mean, to me, that would be a fairly valuable service. And, uh, and you know, now- That's interesting idea, Dave. That's, I've never thought about that before. And I think what <laughs> service guys also don't do is utilize the affiliate fees often enough because you can recommend, you know, patio furniture as an example from some company and get an affiliate fee. If they, if they make a sale, you get a percentage. Stuff like that, they may, maybe that's already happening, Dave, and you can comment on that, but I don't think that the service guys utilize that enough as a second stream of income. I don't think, um, I, I haven't heard that concept. I mean, it, it, it's, it would be a completely different business model from anything that's being done right now. Right. Um, right, right now, it's just like you, you try and grow your business, hire people, train them, and and um, there are people like our friend Jerry, that's also the uh, head of the CPA, CPSA, um, has, his family has had a huge pool route for many, many years. Yep. We've yep. another uh, service, uh, a gentleman out of Palm Springs that has a, a 40 trucks on the road. Yep. And, and once you kind of hit that critical mass, um, you, you're kind of there. It's you, you've you've kind of gotten the game beat, but to get there from a one pole guy from yep. I mean is is really difficult. And and I see a lot of guys out there, even with employees, between all the follow up and chasing them down, making sure they do a good job, training them, communicating with the customers. They're working more than their employees are. They're, yep. they're not fulfilling goal that you have when you when you build a business of your own which right. is let somebody else do the work for you 
And, and that's 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 the problem with a business like that. I mean, you yep. have a finite lid on on how much you can make. You know, you've got to spend enough time to do the job right. You start looking at the calendar and the, and the amount of time in a day and the amount of travel you have, and and there's a limit to how much you can make. And, and in a lot of businesses, that transition is the toughest part of your business. You're yep. making really good money, but really working more than you want to work. You know, the next step is to to broaden a little bit, and then all of a sudden you've got more expenses that just came in in order to broaden um, to make no more money yeah. at, the, at the beginning, right? Now you're, yeah. you're you're losing money compared to where you just were. And people oftentimes, you know, are going back and forth. Did I do the right thing? Do I keep going forward? Do you go back to what I used to do? And and it's a it's a tough part of the transition. Um, in I, I mentioned I was in the bicycle industry for a long time and, and I built the chain of stores down in San Diego. Um, but we built it from the get-go to be a chain of stores. So when I opened my first store, um, I, I, I built the store totally systemized. Um, we were in the black on day 21. I'd overcome all my startup expenses. We were profitable on day 21. Um, and our plan was to open a store a year. And I had six stores in four years. We were way ahead of the plan because I found good people to work and it just made it that much better. But, but the, whole, the whole design of it was to go forward to get to a certain point. And one of the things, and not just pool, but a lot of businesses, people start a business without thinking where they're going to end up or where they want to leave the business. And so they, they build it as, as things happen. They, they change and deviate and do all these things, thinking they're going in a, in a direction. And the, the best way to get to where you want to be is a straight line. So if you went into it thinking, okay, here's what I want to do. I want to have a route with 50 pools because I can work enough, but I don't have to work too much. Once I get close to that, I'm going to start, you know, doing this affiliate thing, or I'm going to have a training program where I can train people around me um, and just take a very small affiliate for them. And I'll, you know, you can come up with a lead generation. I mean, you could, you could actually, the interesting thing is I see it again from the outside in. Yeah. From a pool <clears throat> service business is it, it doesn't take a bachelor's degree. I mean, you know, the, there's things you have to know, but it's not a three-year window of, of time to, to get up to speed. And so it's something that a lot of people could get into without a ton of investment and it can pay them a really good income. So there's a lot of people that could do this. And, and I'll kind of liken it to, I have a lot of friends that are in multi-level marketing and they spend ungodly amounts of money to statistically make less than a thousand dollars, you yeah. know, in their whole career. But here's something you could make six figures, have your own time, do your own stuff. And, and, would seem to me that if somebody was enterprising and put that out there, it's almost as good as going to a, to a uh, franchise expo. I mean, right. you know, a lot of people at franchise expos, you know, you can make six figures, but most of the verbiage is, oh, you're going to get killed. You're going to lose your, you know, all this stuff because they need all those disclaimers. But somebody who's enterprising can come up with a good system on what you need to know, provide some training, provide some technical support after the fact, take a little click and you could sell a business as opposed to a customer, you could sell a business of how to build a pool route. What, three, four, five thousand dollars? Because if I had a little bit of money and I'm furloughed for a month and I'm looking at something to do and yeah, you know, right? There's something you could do, and if you really know your stuff, it doesn't take long to put together a program like that. And and Michelle knows there's all kinds of resources that that yep. we have in common that could put together the whole website and marketing thing for you and everything. Um, you know, every business that really cranks is disruptive. You look at Amazon, what they did to, and they've totally disrupted shopping and, and, and uh, Uber and, and, you know, Airbnb, they've disrupted a market that worked the same for a long time. 
there's no reason it couldn't be in the pool business also, but it doesn't have to be disruptive where you destroy people. It's just a different way of, of how can you increase your income in your business by just getting a little creative when a lot of people aren't. I mean, they're, they're content to do what they're doing and there's nothing wrong with that. But for those people that want to maybe grow without, without worrying about, you know, having people steal their business and, and then the fleet of trucks that you have to have and maintain and the extra insurance and, and, uh, and I would suspect, you know, those companies bring in a lot of money, but I, if I was a betting man, I don't know that they're netting, if they've got 40 trucks, they're not netting 40 times of one pool route, not anywhere close. Well, that's, that's exactly right. One friend that I have that has about somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 pools and five trucks on the road um, is exactly doing what we talked about. He's working six and seven days a week. He's frazzled all the time. He's, he's constantly one between five employees. He's always chasing down a problem with one of them. And he's looking around going, when I look at the net income I was making, I was making more as a single pole guy. Right. And, and so that's. He's what, a perfect candidate for what Scott's talking about though. Yeah, I think so. And, yeah. and, um, but you, you mentioned that we don't have to have a, a bachelor's degree to get into this. And, but unfortunately some of us get in there with, with no business Knowledge. or yeah. no ability to look at numbers and no to get the numbers. And so, um, I, I think we, one of the things, one of the goals of this podcast is to bring on business-minded people, business coaches, yep. and and uh, people that are uh, resources for us. That somebody who's willing to take this job seriously and make a career out of it deserve to survive. And and but we need help beyond just what the normal right. Uh, what, what's been what's been available to us right the goal is to kind of elevate the industry scott that's this podcast is about elevating the industry professionally mm -hmm. um, and through business tools because we talk about tech topics on swimming pools but we also talk about business topics and that's an example of this because we you know the guys that are out there really struggling we want to help them grow and if they're ready to take the next step i think your recommendation is is very very interesting and i'd like to pursue that further as far as maybe even coming up with a model for that because I think that's fascinating and we should be doing that. Well, I mean, somebody's going to do it. Somebody's going to do it. Yeah. No, somebody's going to do it. Um, but you, you know, I think, I think with, with a lot of people, in a lot of service industries, um, they're consumed doing a good job on what they're doing. And, and again, if you've got 50 or 40 or 50 or 60 pools to maintain every, every, you know, week, uh, when do you have time to come up with this plan? You know, you're, you're running yourself ragged trying to make money and you get to that point. But I, I think for those people to get to that plateau where I'm, I'm tapped out, I can't get any busier. And I'm just, you know, my entire life is now just walking around pools and, and taking care of them. And, and, you know, the whole reason that, at least for me, the, the reason you go into business for yourself is the lifestyle that it can afford. And I think yeah. a lot of us get to a point where we've sacrificed our lifestyle. You know, we're, we're self-employed but we've got the world's worst boss. <laughs> you know, we, we can't call in sick. We're hard on ourselves. Um, if you're, if you're a good ethical business person, you put your customers in front of yourself and, and you end up, you know, sometimes you look back and like, yeah, it would be easier if I just went to work for somebody else. And at five o'clock I can turn off the light switch and go home and not right. take any of it home with me. But that's not what happens when we're self-employed. And, uh, but, but thinking outside the box as to where, 
where I could take my skills and knowledge and, and experience and how could I turn those into a, a, either another revenue stream or a bigger revenue stream that would give me my life back, you know, give me my time back. And it's just, it's just the magic of scaling and, and how could you, one, help other people to do the dirty work, let's say, you know, the day-to-day -day work, um, still afford them a good living and, and make, you know, a little bit of money guiding them and helping them and being that, that advocate in their, in their corner. Um, kind of an interesting, interesting thing. I mean, somebody that's, that's industrious could have zillions of, of pool techs, yep. you know, under their umbrella. I think maybe this could be the right time for that idea too, because mm -hmm. just before this, uh, the whole COVID crisis, um, California, everybody had a job. It was, it was really difficult to find anybody who was, who was yeah. willing to, to start from the ground up and, and learn a trade like, like pool service. And it, it's, it was hard to find, um, good employees uh, that made will change here in the next several months. Yep. Uh, I suspect so. I, I think you'll find a lot of people looking to change, you know, right. I, I think, you know, reflecting back as to where their life was and, and what they built and, and, you know, it, it could very well be time for a reset. Yeah. And, uh, one of the other challenges to our business that, that we have goes back to what we talked about earlier about, uh, uh, education and about, uh, the average pool guy, you, you went through, you interviewed four or five pool guys before you came across one that really knew his stuff. Um, and that's part of the problem with this business that we've talked about on the podcast before is anybody with a couple hundred bucks can get a business license at city hall, open up account with the wholesale distributor and with about a thousand dollars worth of gear, throw a pole sticking out of the back of his truck and he's he's a pool guy or gal she's a gal um and it uh, you know, those there's there's constantly kind of a um uh, interchangeable group of people at the bottom that that uh hold the industry down it, it, we it, it makes it difficult for somebody who is uh decided to may be a career professional as a pool pro. Um, they're constantly having to d distinguish themselves or differentiate themselves uh, from people who are just uh, doing it as a, as a path to somewhere else or doing it for beer money, whatever. And, and so um, they're, they're holding the monthly rates down They're They're holding the expectations of the customers and the, just the whole, general view of the industry yeah they're 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 holding things back so that's a challenge is one of the first things you have to do uh when you step into a new backyard is is show the customer that you're not that person yeah well you know i i think there's ways to even um get that across before you even step into the backyard um i mean i i would if I was going into this, I would consider making up a little pamphlet you could put on the doors. Again, it could be a door hanger. It could be a little booklet you leave. And, um, you know, all of the things that you could think to articulate that could go wrong with the pool, that that Murphy's Law says they're always going to go wrong Friday night before your Saturday pool party for your kid's birthday. Um, but I would call out the lack of standards and trainings that the, the 
and I'll say average, and maybe that's the wrong word, that some people pretending to be pool pros um, would not do the right kind of work, don't have the right kind of knowledge. Um, I would position myself up front as the most knowledgeable pool person that could ever walk into their neighborhood. And you just leave that on every door with a pool. I mean, you know, the good thing now is you can go to Google Images and you can spot every pool in a neighborhood. And you've got exact addresses and where pools are. And if you see something that looks really bad, I would go to that house first. But you could position yourself um, as the go-to expert and then justify a slightly higher rate. Yep. And, and um, you know, again, you always have to wonder what what are you performing for the people that you're doing? You're not cleaning the pool. You're providing them with the opportunity to always open up their back door and be able to throw a pool party in an instant and know it's always going to work. So realizing that that's, that's the, the problem that you're solving for people that has more value than having, a, you know, having the sides wiped and the chemicals done, which is what most people articulate. Oh, and we'll do your chemicals and la da da da. That's not a solution. That's what you're doing. Give me yeah. a solution. You know, anytime you want to have a pool party, you're there. Yeah, your pool's going to be ready for you whenever you need it. Yep. Whenever you need it. Whenever right? you need it. If yep. you want to, you know, something happens and you want to go out and drink on the back deck at midnight on a Thursday, your pool's going to be ready. Right. Whatever it is. There's a there's a, a solution that you're offering as opposed to a service you're offering. Yeah. And you could even offer a backup where if something's not, you call me, I'll be there right away. Yep. Now, you may not be able to solve the problem instantly depending on the problem, but there's a difference between that type of professional that's there, that's standing behind you, that's going to make sure your solution is, is con constant and the person that's going to come and check your chemicals once a week. Right. Right. The whole different, different economics. And that's how you differentiate yourself. Like just like the contractor's contractor said, um, you know, don't win your way to the bottom. You want to, you want to be able to have a, your set of customers that are your, that you can charge the, you know, it's better to have less pools to, to worry about and, and charge a higher price than just get a bunch of pools where you're getting a lower price, but you're, but you're competing with everybody on price. And I don't believe that everybody buys on price. Every, I think that we make the mistake no, of don't. believing that and that is not how it is. No. So we want to differentiate ourselves from the other pool service guys out there. And I like this recommendation from Scott that, you know, change the messaging, change what you're saying to them when you're trying to win over customers, change what you're saying about what you're providing. And I love that. I love that idea. Well, yeah, and what's what's the what's the worth of opening up your door on Saturday for your kid's birthday party to find out your pool is a mess? Yeah, and now you've got people coming over. I mean, what what does that doesn't cost you any money, but what does that cost you emotionally when yeah. all your friends are coming over and their kids are expecting to swim, and now they got to be inside playing video games or something? You right. know that that's 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 what you're you're promising, um, and and that's where the money comes from. And and I'll tell you, I mean, I've I've the best pool person I had, I paid a lot more money than the average pool person. It was worth it to me. I mean, hands down, it was worth it to me because yep. I knew I never had to have a worry. Right now, the other thing that comes into play too, is that if you set this up right, um, and I don't know everything about the, I know what I had in my pool, but there's, um, I think a couple times a year, if I'm not mistaken, we did the back flush or do something and do filter cleans and things like that. Um, when you get people that buy on price, you know, if the pool's not really bad looking, they may not want to pay to get the filters cleaned and, and you know, all that other stuff. So that price customer is never the right customer. No. And if you do it right, you could you could even say, you know, most pool people, and I'm pulling this out of the air kind of from my memory, but it's been a long time, you know, maybe a couple times a year we do a back flush and whatever it is. You know, that's minimum. 
I would recommend three times a year. Let's do it here right before your season. Let's do it after your season. So your pool goes through the winter. Well, la da 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 da. You just build that into your pricing. You build that into the service aspect so that if I'm comparing, you know, Joe pool person, and then this, yeah, we'll, we'll do this and this and this. And then I've got this other person that's just layer after layer after layer of making sure my pool is amazing all the time. There's no decision there unless you're a price person, in which case they're not the right person for you because those are the people who gripe the most. They, they don't do. want to spend any money. And then when their pool is cloudy because they didn't want to spend any money, then it's your fault. And, and then you've got that angry customer. So most of that can be circumvented just by being up front and saying, look, you want the world's best pool. This is what it's going to take. And I'll be here to do it for you. And, and you've got my cell phone number if you ever need me. If something, you know, just, you'd be there for them. Right. This is what they want. Which is what they want. I mean, for crying out loud, we have, we have people that are personal shoppers now. Uh, you know, and they have a business of helping people shop. I mean, you know, it's something you could do on your own. But people want that, that person there to tell them that, yeah, this looks great on you. This, you know, whatever it is. But people will pay for services if the service is valuable for them. They'll pay a lot for right. services if the service is valuable for them. Yeah. What do you do? So, can the big, go ahead, Dave. Do you have a comment on that? Um, just in general about the, the topic of uh, uh, that we, we were touching on. Your pool had a salt system and you said a own system. So that points out the, the need for us to, as pool people, pros, to understand technology, to know what's out there that will yes customer the best result there's a lot of pools look great after the pool pro leaves and it's nice and clean an hour into a big pool party on a saturday afternoon the pool is green you can barely see the bottom um there's all kinds of risks in the pool at that point but there's technology there's systems out there salt system is one of them it's it maybe not my favorite but there are chemical automation systems, there are larger ozone systems, there's UV su that supplements the, the chlorine. So there's ways to keep the pool cleaner, longer during a, during a pool party and understanding that. Uh, my favorite customers are people who use the pool. People who swim are the kind of people who value what, what I do, which is very high-end clean water. And, um, but that's that's one way to, to really you know add value to your to yourself is to understand technologies variable speed pumps there's still pool pros out there that have no concept of why anybody would have a variable speed pump and and maybe in areas where electricity is cheap it, it's not a big deal but here in here in California it, it's huge I mean any pool for one thing it's the law but for the other thing it's a it's, it's the right thing to do for your customer. Right. Um, high efficiency heaters, heat pumps, solar systems, understanding all, all of these things and how they work and being able to, um, like you said, they, they're looking for an advisor. They get flyers in the mail or they, get, they look at websites, they hear their neighbor got something. Um, for you to really understand this technology and be able to give your customers solid advice, um, it, really adds value and, and raises their opinion of you in, in the long term. The more you know, the more valuable you are to your customers. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay, so the big question is, Scott, once, you, once you've thoroughly pissed the customer off, how are you going to um, bring that back? Well, you know, there's a, there's a, a multi-step process. The first thing you have to do is listen to them. 
Yeah. You know, let them vent. But when you're listening, you have to really listen. And there's two ways to listen. You can listen for response or you can listen for a solution. And so when you listen to them, um, listen carefully to what they're saying. And then you acknowledge that you understand their perspective. Because most of the time when people listen, they're already countering with what you can and can't do. And that's not what they want. They've got a problem they want solved. I mean, you just have to know that they want something from you or they wouldn't be upset. And something isn't necessarily money back. It's not necessarily this or that. They just want their, their, their problem solved, whatever that problem is. Most of the time what you're gonna hear is the frustration. The angrier they sound, that's because of the frustration they have, whether it's communication or whatever. The real problem is usually not as, as loud and vocal. The, the root of the problem that they called you for originally, usually the anger is because the communication wasn't good or you did something and it didn't work. And, you know, so they're, they're frustrated as far as that. So acknowledge, you understand, you know, from, I understand from your perspective, I would be upset also. And then get proactive. And, and, and so, so let's solve this for you. Let's do it right now. Cause that's what they want to hear. Right. If you can solve it, let's solve it. If you can solve it in a week, you just got to let them know. Okay, let's solve this for you. you. You need this part. The distributor's out. They'll have it in a week. The minute I get it, I will have it in your in your system. The minute I get it. You, you solve the problem. You're, you're going forward with them, even though it's not today that they want it because of, of circumstances, but you still solve their problem for you. You've articulated, you understand. I'd be upset too. Take their side as an advocate. And... Yeah. How do you stay mad at somebody that understands, yeah, you're upset at me. I understand. I would be too. Yeah. But if you have to, put put the, the blame on you. You know, I dropped the ball. If you have to say that, say that. Um, because ultimately the, the whole thing with, with dealing with angry customers is do you still want that customer after this this episode goes away? And if the case is yes, what's the customer worth over the next year versus the $10 you have to spend to keep them happy? You know, the equation is just a mathematical business equation. You know, if it's worth $2,000 in the next year, why wouldn't I spend $10? People spend more than that to get a new customer. I've already got the customer. All I got to do is keep them happy. So you really have to realize what your upside is and what your downside is. Um, and especially in today's day and age with, with Yelp reviews and Google reviews, I mean, you know, when you get down to, to four stars, you're losing 10% of the people that would call you just to lose a star. When you get down to three stars, you're losing 35 to 40% of the people that would call you won't even pick up the phone. No matter how many ads you drop in their mailbox, they're not going to call you, you know? And, and so the key is that, that well, one, the key is keeping people happy. You have happier customers. You've got better business dealings. Um, you know, when you have somebody unhappy and they, they, they're still unhappy, um, they're suspect of everything you do from that point on. Right. Suspect that you're going to still be ripping them off, that you're not competent. And, and all these things come into play because they're, they're oftentimes people are acting irrationally just because they're upset. Yeah. But then their mind wanders and, and you've got to fight back to get to the point where they trust you again. That can be a really long battle, but it can be a really short battle if you just, if you can solve the problem, if it's a communication problem, put it on you. And I'll, I'm, I'm sorry, maybe I didn't, maybe I didn't articulate as cleanly as I should have that this is what we needed, that that's my fault. You know, I'll take care of this for you. Won't happen again. Done. You yeah. still have a customer. Now you've got a happy customer. Again, to go back to what you said once, Michelle, about the lack of customer service that, that's prevalent now. Everybody's used to ready for a battle. When you call customer service, yep. 
know you're going to be on a, in a 15 computer queues to get you to the point you can get a live body. Now you're already so upset that you finally got to a live body after wasting an hour of your time. And here's somebody that says, yeah, it's my fault. I'll take care of it for you. Yeah. Wait a minute. What do I do now? Right. I was ready to bitch and complain. I, I, I can't, can't get now, pissed right? anymore because they're giving me what I want. I mean, what could be better than that? And so you turn something, a bad situation, into an unbelievable situation. And, and it's perfect now because there's so poor customer service everywhere. I mean, I hear phrases all the time, customer no service. I mean, that's become the norm. Yep. So if you break that norm and you give them, you know, and that's not that you have to give them everything they want, but if you give them the peace of mind of knowing that, yeah, you're on their side. You know? And the worst thing is you get defensiveness when you call somebody and they get def right. they start defending themselves immediately and talking about how that wasn't right or no you're wrong or, or whatever that's the that's the last thing you want to hear when right. you're already frustrated and then all of a sudden this person starts being very defensive to you and that just makes that just escalates the situation I've hung up on people I mean I because I'm already upset and then all of a sudden they're like no it's no that's that's not true or no we didn't do that or no you misunderstood or whatever, and you're just like, that's it. I mean, it's like, that's when it gets to the point of escalation. You don't ever want it to be that, ever. Well, I, I, when, I, when I put my last pool in, I, unbeknownst to me, hired the pool contractor from hell, and I came very close to sending him home. I was literally gonna kill him, it was that bad. I had a 16 week pool, it took a year and a half to build. Oh my god! And he would hang up on me, and he wouldn't take customer calls, and it was a nightmare. I mean, just unbelievable what they did. Um, and I, I literally was going to kill him and, and I, I was going for attorneys to, to sue the pants off him. And, and, uh, uh, I got one attorney that was ethical and said, you know, let me ask you a question. If I took pictures of your pool in the court and showed, you know, the judge your pool, is he going to think it's a good looking pool? And yeah. Okay. So is he going to feel sorry for you? You know? <laughs> probably not right and the fact that it's not done the way the contract said you still have a nice looking pool in a great backyard so you know i can spend you you know i'll charge you twelve thousand dollars i might get you 13 and you want another six months of hell while you're going through this and and it's like now nope. just enjoy your pool you yeah know, it, it wasn't right. perfect but just enjoy your pool and, and and again it's just diffusing a situation right you, you yeah. take logic to dissuade the situation you got a great backyard enjoy it you know, it, 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 it is what it is. It's done. It's over with. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, the, the guy that built the pool for me recommended his pool guy. When we started the pool with salt, he said, go to Home Depot and just buy the cheapest salt. Well, imagine the phosphate uh, little problem I had for the next four or five months and draining and out. stains and all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. And, and I had, my salt. pool was 42 by 24. It was a couple drops of water to empty that thing and fill it, you yeah. know, and, and I thought, oh, my God. And this is a guy he recommended to do the pool. Right. I mean, so I, I'm very well versed in really bad uh, pool technicians over time. <laughs> um, I had a kid that I hired once that was a, a customer of mine in my bicycle business. Yeah, I'll give him a chance. I know him. And he told me he went to community college. It took three days. Oh, you should become one too. It's like three days and you're, you're, you're a certified pool tech. And, and I'm thinking, well, in fact, right then I thought, wow, how can I, how can I make this a business where I could, you know, sell this concept to a lot of people? Right. But, with him, three days wasn't enough time because he didn't understand anything about my system. Well, you know, with I, anybody, that's not enough time. That's one yeah. of the biggest misnomers. Yeah. One of our one of our uh, partners, uh, uh, 
terrific pool builder over on the Ask the Master side made that comment in one of our podcasts too, that you can take a weekend and learn everything you need to know to service a pool. And that is a huge misconception. <laughs> You know, in the bicycle industry, there was a, there was a couple very, of schools. Very much a minimal, minimalization of, of what yes. it really takes to, to do this at the professional level. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the same thing was true in the bicycle industry. There's a couple of schools that have a week class, week-long class to teach you how to be a bike mechanic. And, and, and I did it for, you know, 38 years. And, and people come in with their little certificate. And, okay, go put that back in the car. I will forget <laughs> I ever saw it. <laughs> If you're the right person, I'll train you, but this yeah. is an internship. It's not a, you can't learn anything in a week that you yeah, really sure. need to know in real world stuff. Um, but they convince you that you're, you're a full on fledged bicycle mechanic after a week, yep. it's not even close. I mean, you, you probably run into things, you know, even with your knowledge today that, that, um, you know, yes. huh, you know, you have to think back to training from a long sure. time ago because you don't see it all the time. Yeah. We're always learning. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Every pool is a little bit different. Every situation, every every tap water, uh, uh, material used in this plaster, everything. Everything's different on every pool. Yeah, but there's an opportunity there for somebody that wants to uh, to go forth and and uh, you know you don't even have to have a, a, a like a bona fide certification, but you could have somebody could put together a good learning pool and, and have access to people that, like yourself that have a lot of time in there that could guide some of these newer people. Um, and charge for it. Yep. Yeah. I'm looking at this thing and there's, there's a huge business opportunity here for people that want to be their own boss, you know, who are furloughed and, and um, through no help, no, no fault of their own. You know um, I've got a sister who's a cosmetologist and she's shut down. Can't yeah. do a thing. And uh, when you're not working, you're not working. And, and most of those businesses, they don't have uh, things like that. The other thing you offer is you know, you're outside in California. I mean, what yes. people would give around other parts of the country to be able to work outside in California in the sun year round, yes. you know, on your own schedule. My gosh. I mean, there, there's young people that would die to have a job like that. Right. 32 years ago, that's what hooked me. Yeah. <laughs> the friend yeah. Took, took me riding along uh, on his route. And I'm like, I'm sitting here looking around. I'm in a beautiful backyard. The sun's shining on me. Um, I had had an office job before that, and and I thrive on sunshine. I hate yeah. indoors. And I'm like, man, this is it for me. This is this is what I want to do. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's that's really true. Um, to to kind of go full circle and, and wrap this up, there's a couple of things that you just brought out that I, I want to um, reiterate about. Uh, creating angry customers and dealing with them. And one of the things that that pool builder you were talking about that wouldn't pick up the phone and wouldn't just finish the last little things that it took to make you happy. Sure, you had a nice pool, but he didn't fulfill everything that he that he said he was going to do. You were mad to the point of uh, homicide, yep. or at least a lawsuit. And um, it's not just a matter, okay, he got away, a reasonable lawyer talked you out of suing him, but how many referrals did he miss out on? And if he does this as a, as a general practice, how many referrals is he missing? Losing. He missed yep. out on five that I know of before he went bankrupt. Yep. I had five friends that were putting in pools and we were talking. I said, oh, who's, who's, who are you considering? And, and his was one of the names. And I said, yeah. under no circumstances. Here's my experience. So I know I lost him five. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you how bad it got with him. My daughter was a barista when she was going to, to college and she was telling her coworker about the trials and tribulations of the day. And a guy in line says, Hey, 
can I ask you who built your who's building your, your parents' pool? And, and she told him the name. He says, I got to talk to your parents. He ended up being a PI that was hired by one of the other unhappy customers. He oh interviewed 34 people that had pools built by this guy. Only one was happy, their accountant. And he came over and said, you know what? I got to tell you, yours is by far and away the best pool that I've looked at. But my wife yeah. was a telecom engineer and worked for home. So she was working outside overseeing the job the entire time. But 34, 35 people he'd interviewed and mine was the best pool and I was still ready to kill him. Can you imagine? Yeah. Right. And, and you just follow up, follow out all the, the, the trails. Missed opportunities. Yeah. Oh yeah. One customer and all those connections, but with all of those customers, that trail goes out farther and farther. And that, that's just absolutely. Oh, it, it does. And, and everybody you talk to, you know, and there's a thing too, you know, if you're upset, you're going to tell a hundred people. If you're yeah. happy, you might tell one. Yeah. You still got to yeah. keep them happy. You right. still got to keep them happy because the downside is far worse. Yep. So the most important thing is pick up the phone. Yep. And then yep. the second thing that I'm taking away from this uh, uh, is a is honesty and a little humility goes a long way. It does. Uh, and, uh, I understand your problem. Be, nobody's perfect. Admit I screwed up. Don't try and cover your tracks. Don't try and give them excuses. People are smart. They they recognize that. Beyond, yeah. I'm really sorry. And uh, when I've done that. Um, it's turned some of my worst, most unhappy customers into some of my most loyal customers. Oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and okay, and, one final thought, Scott, I was going to yeah. give you. So when you decide you want to fire a customer, okay, what's the best way to do that without potentially getting a bunch of really negative reviews on Google? Now, you can't please everybody, and I get that. But if yeah. you want to do it reasonably to try to not get bad reviews online, just if you, that could be your final thought today, if you could help us with that. Um. What I do in my printing business is every year I chop off the bottom 10% of my customers. And that's not necessarily by spending. It's by combination of pain in the rear and, and just time. There's people that are just time sucks that are just a nightmare to deal with. Um, I, I put together a letter that I say, you know, our business model is changing and going forward, here's our requirements. Uh, you're not currently up to that. If you want to come up to that, we'd love to keep you as a customer. If not, here's five or six other companies that would, would be great to deal with. And, and so I give them a way out. I give them a path to somebody else that would serve them well. And I just release myself from it. And the, the first year I did that, it was one of the toughest things I ever had to do. You're sitting there thinking, I'm going to give away, you know, let's say 10% of my income. Um, but when you step back, you know, it's 40 or 50% of my time. And, and I can use that time to go get the right kind of customers. And, but it was the hardest thing I did when I first did it. And now it's the easiest thing I do in my business. Uh, I just, I, I don't believe in the 80, 20 rule at all. You don't have to have that. You can have a hundred, a hundred. You just have to have the right kind of people. And, uh, and uh, yeah. So, I mean, if, if there's somebody else, uh, you know, with, with your, because it's a, a mobile route, you can always say, you know, I, I'm, I'm moving in a different direction and this is kind of outside the range now. Um, a little tougher if you have three pools on one street, but um, but there, there's ways to do it and just say that, you know, I, I just, I don't know that I'm the right person for this pool. Um, let me give you some referrals to a couple other people. I wouldn't necessarily gotcha. refer them to A-level people. I might refer them to a couple of hacks if they're a price person. Yeah. Somebody cheap, they'll be happy. They got a cheap pool tech. <laughs> You'll be happy you get out of it and get a, a nice paying one in their place. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think that's that's doable, But but ultimately, you know, to build the business, 
build it with your ideal customers first. You don't have to have that a lot. I mean, if you've already got a business, then you've got what you've got, and you want to you want to replace you know lesser less good clients with with better ones. But right. Uh, but yeah, you know, if, if you really go out and and uh, build the business the way you want to see it at the end, which a lot of people don't do. You know, they start with a customer, they hope they get two, they hope they get four. But if you build the business based on what you want to have that business be, it'll build that way. And just take the steps to do that. Um, and to get back to the discussion thing, I mean, the, the angry customer, it's not a political discussion. You know, two people can argue and still believe their side of the story is right. It's a business discussion. And one of them has a pot of gold at the end of it, and the other direction doesn't. Right. So it's real easy when you say, I can, I can get an argument with a customer and my pot of gold just went away. I got to go replace them. Or I can take it upon myself, mitigate, and still have that pot of gold in my bank account at the end of the year. And so really, it's an economic discussion, really more than a problem discussion. You just have to handle it in a way that keeps the economics on your side. Right. Well, that makes sense. Scott, this has been valuable for me. A lot of new thoughts that I hadn't thought of before, Dave. I don't know about you, but some yeah. interesting concepts to think about as far as building a business, maybe a little different than we had thought before, which is good to, to good good things to, you know, get people thinking that are listening to this podcast because it may spur up an idea that they hadn't thought of before that they can be innovative. And that's the key to differentiating yourself is being innovative. So I can't thank you enough, Scott, for this. This is really valuable information. We'd love to have you back maybe on a, another topic in the future, if you're willing. Oh, I'm definitely. But, uh, it's been great. We're very happy to have you here. And thank you so much for your time. I hope you all have a wonderful day and stay safe and healthy. Okay, Thanks, well, thank Scott. you guys for the opportunity. Thank, thank you. you, Scott. Thank you. A new voice in the industry, a resource for all, education for you. This is Pool Pro Podcast. Build relationships and share important news as we get ready for our next backyard adventure. Pool Pro Podcast. Backyard adventures are better together. Please take a moment to share, like, and review our content with all of those that would be interested.